Good morning, everybody. It's Mike Lyon coming to you live on November 30th, 2017 with the Wicked Awesome Boston Sports Podcast. The last day of the second to last month of the year. Cannot believe 2017 has gone so fast, but here we are uh, in the, well, I guess it's the late fall, not really the winter yet, but it's certainly starting to feel cold here in Philly, and I'm sure it's feeling cold in the Northeast as well, although it's supposed to be a pretty nice weekend here. In any event, we got some stuff to catch up on. I know I missed you the past couple of days, and I apologize for that, but let's start uh, on the ice rink with this uh, cold theme going on. Might as well start on the ice with those Boston Bruins, and if you left them for dead a couple weeks ago, I couldn't really blame you for that, given how inconsistent they've been, but don't look now, because those guys have won five out of six games. And they did not win Monday uh, earlier this week against the Edmonton Oilers. Or was that Sunday? I don't know. A little earlier in the week. They did not win against the Edmonton Oilers. Since we last spoke about the Bruins, they got a nice win the day after Thanksgiving over the Pittsburgh Penguins. And last night, they beat the best team in their division, the Tampa Bay Lightning, by a final score of 3-2 to two on home ice. So in three games against three pretty good teams... The Penguins, the Oilers, and the Lightning, they do get four points. Not too, too bad. You know, you probably wish for five or six. Obviously, you wish for six. But they get four out of a possible six. Not too bad. And uh, they do notch wins against the two most important teams to beat, the Penguins and the Lightning. Last night's win, three to two. And it was marked by the return of the lineup of two different guys. One being Brad Marchand. And the return of Brad Marchand is going to pay dividends to any team, but would certainly pay dividends to the Bruins. He's their most important scorer, pretty much their most important offensive weapon. And he did not get a puck in the net himself last night, but he assisted on two other goals. So he made his presence felt immediately, got an assist on a Charlie McAvoy slap shot in the first period, got an assist on a Riley Nash goal in the second period. Uh, so, obviously, like I said, he made his presence felt very quickly. The Bruins were obviously thrilled to have him back in there. Uh, McAvoy ended up being the first star of the game because he not only got a goal, he assisted on the eventual game winner, winner, excuse me, a one-timer by Tori Krug. That scored the third goal of the game. The Lightning did score twice after that, but could not uh, get the equalizer in the net in the third period. So the Bruins do get away with a 3-2 victory in the Garden last night. Uh, Tuka Rask, the much maligned Tuka Rask, was in the net for the game against Edmonton, which he lost. They stuck with him last night, uh, and he made it count for them. 19 saves on 21 shots, played a pretty nice game, kept the Bruins in it, and uh, obviously got the win for them. So, nice win for the Bruins. Nice to have Brad Marchand back on the back in the lineup as well. But it's also worth noting that David Backus was back in the lineup last night. And before you be all, all, all pissy and all moany on me, like saying, what, what, what do we care about David Backus? He's no good anyway. Remember that this guy is still one of your elder statesmen on the team and one of your leaders. And I'm telling you, diverticulitis, which is what he had and which he underwent an operation for it, that is no joke. That is absolutely no joke. I'm lucky to say that I've never suffered from it. But I know people who have, and I've studied cases where it has occurred. It is no joke. And for him to get back really within like a month's time of that diagnosis, maybe a little bit more of a month than a month on that, that's pretty remarkable that he was able to get back there and 
he worked as hard as he did and, and to get back on that ice don't underestimate the the leadership value that that'll bring to a team and the inspiration that that'll bring to a team I'm certainly not saying that's the reason they won the game last night but I'm also telling you it didn't hurt so uh, even in you know he didn't factor into the score sheet didn't do a whole heck of a lot in the game but still uh, it's an emotional lift when that guy gets back into the lineup especially you know coming from a guy like back as one of the leaders one of the elder statesmen on the team uh, he doesn't match the level of somebody like a Patrice Bergeron on the ice but he's been around the league for an awfully long time he's been a captain before he was the captain of the St. Louis Blues before he came here the emotional lift that it brings to get a guy like that back in such a short amount of time is pretty significant, so don't underestimate it uh, for, for getting both of those guys, Marchand and Backus, into the lineup last night. So where does that leave them? Uh, a nice little run of success for the Bruins here. They've got 26 points, and if the playoffs started today, and they don't, and we're a long way from the playoffs, I recognize that, but they would be in the playoffs as the third seed in the uh, Atlantic Division, or the Northeast Division, excuse me, not the Atlantic Division. Uh, they have 26 points. They're third in the division. They would be in the playoffs by now. The last time we spoke, they wouldn't be. Uh, not that that is going to stay where it is. It will not. Detroit and Montreal are just a point behind in that division, so that is certainly not going to stay the same. But we are a quarter of the way through the season, and, and maybe the Bruins are starting to find signs of writing the ship here. Given that they've, they've they've won a few games, they're getting back into the swing of things. Come on through here, bud. Um, they're they're getting back in 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 kind of the mode, getting into that groove, and, and having guys contribute. Again, having the young guys contribute all through this winning streak or winning, you know, kind of, I wouldn't say it's not a streak because they lost the other night, but uh, they're they're doing it with a lot of different people. They're not just reliant on the guys up front. That's what they need in this in in, in, in this season. Uh, last night, they were not just reliant on the guys up front, although it certainly helped to get Brad Marchand back. I mean, Riley Nash contributed. Charlie McAvoy contributed. Tori Krug, obviously. So uh, they, they need contributions up and down the lineup in order to be successful. Uh, it's what's getting Tampa Bay the success that they've had. It's, what's get, it's what got Pittsburgh the, the success that it has had over the past couple of years in back-to-back -back Stanley Cup championships. Stanley Cup to titles. So, you know, people forget the Penguins. You know, everybody remembers the guys up front for Pittsburgh: Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin. You know, everybody remembers those guys and their superstars. No question about it. But the Penguins are awfully deep behind those guys. Awfully deep. Every year, I mean, and it's different guys. They, they rotate players in and out of that lineup. But whether it's a guy like Nick Bonino. Ryan Getzel, or Jake, is it Jake, sorry, not Ryan, Jake Getzel. You know, some of these other guys for Pittsburgh, Chris Kunitz when he was there, now he's in Tampa Bay. They're, they're, they always have guys up and down that lineup that you can count on their, that they're going to that they're going to produce for you and they're going to play well. That's what the Bruins needed. That's what the Bruins had in 2011. They had a very potent lineup all the way through that you knew that they were going to get good production out of those second and third lines. You knew you were going to get a strong defensive game out of that checking line that they had. You knew that they, you know, they'd have an advantage with those lines on the ice. You don't necessarily know that now, every night, 
but they are starting to become signs that they're getting better. So eventually, and remember, the Bruins are still building this thing. No one's expecting them to be an unbelievable team this season. I'm certainly not. No one's expecting them to have a ton of success. I think they could make the playoffs. I don't think they're going far in the playoffs. But remember, they're still building this team. And they've got a lot of young guys that are coming, a lot of young guys that need to taste success in the NHL, and a lot of young guys that are doing it now. So uh, a nice little run for the Bruins, quarter of the way through the season. They're, they're in the thick of it. Not at the top of the division yet. Maybe not getting there. I think they're six or seven points behind Tampa Bay now. But uh, they're in the thick of the playoff hunt, which is more, which which is pretty much all you can ask for. I am personally really, really excited and really jealous that the Bruins hit the road after the game last night because their next game is here in Philadelphia. It is on Sunday. I'm sorry, not Sunday. Saturday at one o'clock, and I'll be there. Uh, I will be at the game way up in the upper decks with all the Flyers crazies wearing blue, wearing black and gold. If I can find that shirt that I have from when they won the Stanley Cup, I'm sure I'll be able to find it somewhere. Uh, the Flyers, by the way, are absolutely reeling. They've lost, I think, nine games in a row, either in regulation or in overtime or a shootout. Uh, they are absolutely reeling. There are calls to fire their coach, which I disagree with, but that's the topic for another show. So the Bruins are certainly getting the Flyers at a good time, even in an intimidating building. And let's see if they can continue this, this nice little run that they've been on lately. So sun, Saturday, 1 o'clock, against the Flyers, tune in. Should be on Nesson. Don't know if it's a national game. Probably not at NBC. But in any event, tune in. Should be a lot of fun. I want to move to the Red Sox for a second. And I know they're the only team not playing right now. Um, not in action. But the hot stove is kind of picking up, and it, it's been, I, I suppose, it, it, when I say kind of picking up, it's still been pretty quiet, almost eerily quiet, for the past couple of weeks. Usually you see some guys, so some, some high-profile trades or signings, something go down by the end of November, uh, and at least see, there's, there's kind of major rumblings going on as to what could happen. You haven't seen that a lot over the, you know, the entirety of Major League Baseball. You do have a couple of interesting nuggets of rumors that are going on right now. And one is that the Red Sox have been linked to White Sox first baseman Jose Abreu in a potential trade. Uh, John Heyman, I think it was, characterized them yesterday as having active discussions with the White Sox. You can interpret that however you want. I don't know if that means they're close to a deal, if they're just you know actively discussing the possibility and haven't really exchanged anything, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. What you can safely assume, though, is if the White Sox are serious about trading Jose Abreu to the Red Sox, they're going to want somebody on the major league roster. And unless the Red Sox are ready to deal their top two or three prospects in the system, I don't think they're going to want Rafael Devers. They just got Yoan Mankata from the Red Sox last year in the sale trade uh, and infielder. I don't think they're going to want Rafael Devers. So I don't think you need to worry about him. I do think you need to worry about Jackie Bradley and possibly Andrew Benintendi. Not both. The Red Sox won't do both. They will not do both of them. Don't worry. They'll do one or the other and then 
throw a minor leaguer or two in there as well. It's been rampant on Twitter and elsewhere that the deal would be Abreu for Bradley and more. And, boy, I've been kicking this around a lot in my head. This is another one of those where, you know, you, 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 you would hate to see a guy like Jackie Bradley go. You'd hate to see that. I mean, I realize that the kid is not the bat that you probably want in center field or is not yet the bat that you want in center field. But remember, Jackie hit 25 homers in 2016. He only hit 17 last year, not as many. But he hit 25 homers a year ago. And a year ago, he was only 24. So there's a lot of development left in this guy. And, you, you know, his center field defense is quite quite possibly, he may quite possibly be the best defensive center fielder the Red Sox have ever had. And I know that's saying an awful lot. I mean, Freddie Lynn, you know, Freddie Lynn supporters are going to jump up and down at me. I get it. You know, I'm saying arguably. I didn't see Freddie Lynn play, so I'm not, you know, don't, don't hold me to it. But I'm saying Jackie's up there. He's certainly the best defensive center fielder I've ever seen the Red Sox have. So, you know the guy The guy brings you a ton of value, even if he hits 250 at the bottom of your lineup, because he's going to catch anything that, that, is, that is hit out to center field. Anything close, he's getting. He's not making an error. He's got a really good arm, by the way. He's a really, really, really good defensive center fielder. Really good. And like I said, I, I think he's already all world with the, with the glove. You know, and he's still young. I mean, it's it's not like this guy cannot get better with the bat. You know he's got the potential there. I mean, he had 25 homers last year. He had 17. That's not bad. It's not bad. I mean, 42 home runs in two years for your nine-hitter? It's not bad. It's pretty good, actually. And, and, and you know, he's only going to get better, I would think. So it is tough to kind of say, let's go trade Jackie Bradley. But, man, for a guy like Jose Abreu, Jose Abreu is a really, really good hitter. And, and quite frankly, he's exactly what this lineup needed last year. If this lineup had Jose Abreu, boy, I mean, you, you, you would have been talking about... You would have been talking about a really good Red Sox lineup, let's put it that way. A really good one. The guy hit 300... And 31 home runs for a bad team last year in Chicago. A bad team. They did not have a lot else besides him. Avisel Garcia was okay. He's also on the on the block, and the Red Sox are involved with him. But outside of him and, and Abreu, there, there really was not a lot there. I, I know Moncada came up and gave him a little bit down the stretch, and they had some young guys play. Todd Fra- I mean, Todd Frazier was there. Todd Frazier really wasn't all that great for Chicago before he got traded. You know, so in that lineup, I mean, it was Abreu and not much else. And he still hit 30 homers and hit 300 for the season. And I think his OPS was was that it was north of a north of 850. It may have even been 900. So, yeah, boy, he's he is exactly exactly what the Red Sox need on offense. You're gonna sacrifice some defense if you go get him. That is for certain. I mean, if if you go get Abreu. You got to balance it out with this. You, you got to balance it out with the fact that your defense 
in multiple places is going to suffer if you go and get a Brayu because you're probably going to trade Jackie Bradley for him. If it's not Bradley, it's Benintendi. And, and I don't think the Red Sox are going to be too hot to try to trade Andrew Benintendi. He's too young. You know, Bradley's in the he, he's, he's got a little bit more of a track record. I still think there's some development left there, but you know a little bit more about what Jackie Bradley is. You'd rather let Benintendi develop a little bit more. I don't think the Red Sox want to trade Andrew. I think it's going to be Bradley if that if that deal actually happens. So you're going to lose defense in center field because Bradley's not going to, you know, not going to be there. And you're going to lose defense at first base. So you're going to lose defense at two places. You're going to have to bring in backup first baseman or a backup infielder with a good glove who can who can play first base in the late innings. Abreu's not a great defender. Not a bad one, but not a great one. You know, and that presumably would free up the Red Sox to sign a guy like J.D. Martinez who they have been linked to all offseason. Now, if you've listened to this show, you know I'm not huge on J.D. Martinez. I think that would be a monumental mistake. Uh, and it's nothing against him. And it's nothing against him getting as much money as he possibly can. I just think the Red Sox spending that much money on him right before an offseason when all these other big-name guys and bigger-name guys are going to become available doesn't make any sense at all. Even without Bradley in that lineup, I don't think it makes any sense at all. Uh, but, you know, who knows? I mean, the, the first domino to fall would probably have to be that trade. They'd have to get Bradley out. They'd have to get a Brayu in before they could. I, I still don't. I don't see how. You know, I just. I do not see how JD Martinez fits on this team. It with the outfield that they have. I mean, I, it would, I would not do anything to that outfield unless you're going to get a guy like a Brayu. I mean, that's. I can see that. I still have to think about this one. I'd like to see the deal. If the deal happens, I want to see the deal. Who goes out? Who comes in? Before I really evaluate it. It's not one of those no-brainers yet. Do it every time for me, Abreu for Bradley. It's 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 not it's it, it's not that. It's not you know Pedro Martinez for Carl Pavano and 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 whoever else it was Tony Armas Jr. twenty years ago. You do that deal every single freaking time. But you know, I, so I I want to see the deal before it happened. If you don't bring in Abreu though for Bradley. I, where does where does JD Martinez fit on this team? I keep coming back to it. You don't want to do anything to that outfield. That outfield is really good. It's really really good. It's great. To, it's great defensively. I mean, you've you've got potentially the best defensive outfield in the major leagues. And you know, like I said, there, there's an awful lot of hitting, certainly in left field and right field. You know, if you get another bat in that lineup, if you if, if you go get. You know, and Eric Hosmer in that lineup. There's an awful lot of offense that are going to come out of Mookie and, and Benintendi. And I'm telling you, there's more offense to come out of Bradley yet. There's there's more projection in there. So I don't want to do anything to that outfield unless it's to go get a big bat like Abreu. So let's see that deal, you know, before, before we completely evaluate it. Let's see who goes out. Let's see what comes back. If it's just Abreu, maybe it's somebody else. I doubt it, but... My guess is it would be a Brayu for Bradley and one or two prospects. Um, but like I said, let's see it before it actually happens. Uh, and then I can really take a better look at it. Now the other guy who's always being linked to the Red Sox and continues to sort of 
maybe be linked to the Red Sox and Giancarlo Stanton. And there have been, well, there's a lot of reports, as there always are in the in, in, in the offseason, about whether the Red Sox are in on this guy. I don't think they are. I, I believe those reports that say the Red Sox, I mean, there's a lot of reports that say the Red Sox are an extreme long shot to sign the guy, that they don't have the, the, the prospect catch resources necessary to go get them or they, they just don't want to pay all that salary for him and, and remember again you know Stanton's got the, got an opt-out he's got an opt-out in 2020 he can opt out of that contract in 2020 if he wants to I, I don't know if he's still going to be producing at the same level in three years that he is now if he is he's definitely opting out because he'll get the same contract all over again and that adds to the complications on a deal like this. I don't think the Red Sox are serious about him. I'm not surprised. Um, that would cost you Bradley or Benintendi. I mean, they wouldn't they wouldn't do both of them, but it would cost you one of the two, and then it would cost you. I'm sure it would cost you Jason, a guy like Jason Groom. <clears throat> you know, somebody at so, somebody at that level of the Red Sox system to go and get him, and he wouldn't be the only one, by the way. It, it would be more than, I mean, I, that, that, but that's what it, that's probably what a deal for Stanton would look like. It would be Bradley, Groom, a ton of salary coming back, obviously, and probably one more prospect. That's an awful lot to give up. I, I, let somebody like the Dodgers or the Cardinals do it, uh, if, if that's the cost. That just seems pretty hefty to me. I, I realize... I just said I'm not sure about trading Bradley for Abreu. Uh, I'm, I'm similar. If the game, if if the deal were just Bradley for Stanton, then I could live with it. Or Bradley and like a couple of mid-level prospects for Stanton, then I could do it. But I don't think that's the deal. I, I think the deal is more than that. I'd be asking for more than that if I was the Marlins. And I'm a little reticent to do that. I mean, the Red Sox minor league system has already been pretty much decimated. For in, in a couple of deals, certainly in the sale deal and in others that have gone down. So uh, I'm not too hot to trot on that. I don't think the Red Sox are really involved. I don't think they want to pay that price. I don't blame them for that. Uh, so, I mean, we'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks. Everybody's saying, everybody, you know, that the teams are waiting to see where Stanton goes before everything else kind of falls into place here. That may be the case. Boston at this point. I would not support the Red Sox doing that deal, you know, Bradley Groom and, and, and a couple other things for him. But uh, it's it's that that may be a little ways off. Anyway, we will see what happens as it develops. So that's the show for today, Thursday the 30th. Uh, tomorrow we're gonna do our best to have a show. Uh, I gotta take my car in, unfortunately to the uh, to the shop to get get it looked at and get it worked on tomorrow. But we're going to try to have a show. It's Patriots preview Sunday, or excuse me, Friday for the game Sunday uh, in Buffalo against the Buffalo Bills. So we'll do our best to preview that. Uh, obviously, anything that happens with the Red Sox, any kind of new news that comes out, we'll get it to you. We'll get a new show in there, and we will get on it for you. Otherwise, make it a wonderful last day of November. I hope you're uh, having a great season wherever you guys are, whatever you may celebrate. And uh, a quick shout-out, if I could, to the Preston and Steve show here in Philadelphia, 93.3. 
Very quick 30-second story. These guys, every year for the past, I don't know, 20 years or so, uh, actually camp out in an RV for an entire week uh, and do their show remotely in a tent. They do it, they're, they're doing it this year in a big tent uh, near the, uh, the, the the Flyers and the Sixer Stadium with the Wells Fargo Center and the Eagle Stadium, the sports complex in South Philly. They do it every year as a huge food drive. It's a huge success to benefit a, uh, a local food bank. Uh, I got to give a quick shout out to those guys. I love what they do. I've loved it every year. They have a lot of fun. They raise a ton of money and, a ton, and, and, and get a ton of donations. So if you're in Philly or in the area, support those guys. Uh, shout out to those guys. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. Otherwise, have a great Thursday, everybody. We will see you tomorrow. Goodbye.